This episode is sponsored by Apollo, a tool that's helping me to open doors and close deals faster. Wanted to share it with you. Apollo is a complete end-to-end sales platform, letting you email, dial, connect on social, build plays, and schedule meetings. With conversational intelligence, transcribing my calls lately, and reminding me to act on my next steps to drive deals across the finish line, it's been a lifesaver. It's no wonder Apollo is the most loved sales tool on the planet. Thousands of users rank Apollo as a top tool on G2. Start today completely free and see how Jesse and I use Apollo. Sign up in the show notes below or at thesalesplayers.com forward slash Apollo. That's thesalesplayers.com forward slash A-P-O-L-L-O to start your free trial. What's up, SaaS sales players? I'm here to introduce yet another amazing guest for today's episode. Joining me is James Yuri. James is the Senior Partnerships Manager at Close. That may sound familiar to you. Close is a partner of the podcast. James shares his insights into the indie tech stack. So you'll hear more about what that means and what that includes. We talk about his background, how he transitioned from being an account executive into a partner leader. We talk about his favorite method for prospecting, which we'll get into in the conversation. And he shared all kinds of great insights. He's a super interesting guy. He's a podcaster. He lives in one of the best states in the union, which is Colorado. And there's a lot of great stuff that he shares during the episode today. So you'll want to listen to it all the way to the end. So with all of that said, welcome James. James, so glad to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jesse. Appreciate it, man. How are things up? You, you mentioned in our last conversation, you're in a, is it a small town in Colorado? Whereabouts? I am. I am. I'm in Salida, Colorado, which is kind of hidden in Southwest central Colorado. Um, give someone a, someone a compass. It's about two and a half hours Southwest of Denver. Okay. Southwest. That's a, that's yep. a pretty area. Yeah, in Colorado. I just, I keep hearing about new startups launching in like Boulder, Denver area, and uh, it seems like a great state to do business in for sure. It is. It does seem like, especially in Boulder, a new type of Silicon Valley vibe there. Nice. Yeah. Are you from there originally, or did you? Make- yeah, yeah. I grew up in Colorado, um, in a town called Pueblo, Colorado. So not too far uh, from here, but yeah, born and raised, man. Awesome. Yeah. Well, good deal. So a great starting point would be my fans always like to hear how you got into the business. Tell us yep. about how you landed in tech sales and the tech partnership world, how you got acquainted with some of these technologies and maybe set the stage for the conversation today. Yeah, I'll give a super high level TLDR, man. Um, out of college, I was a teacher of all things, and I was a special education teacher and I specialized in behavioral management. Okay. And I was working at what is called a treatment facility where kids and youth with uh, traumatic backgrounds, they go, they live there, they receive therapy and they go to school there. And as you can imagine, that is extremely challenging, extremely challenging behaviors. You have to be a master at managing behavior to keep those kids safe or do anything productive, right? Uh, to, To help them. So I really, really honed my craft on managing 
um, different types of personalities, especially with trauma, traumatic backgrounds, stuff like that, right? It, I got really good at handling human beings. And even before teaching, I, I grew up in a mega church. My dad was a pastor there. So I was talking to a scope of pe personalities, you know, from low socioeconomic status to the richest people in town. Um, and so these, these are sort of the, the, the fundamentals and foundation that got me into sales, right? And uh, my friends growing up were always like, you should be in sales. You should be in sales. Like I was always pitching something, right? It's like a baseball bat or a new kind of glove or whatever I was into at the time, the type of bike I was riding. I still do this thing. And my friends were always like, you should be in sales. You should be in sales. And I always took that as an offense. I was like, no, 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 no. Like you just think of car salesmen, right? And no offense. If you're in car sales, like that's great. Like that's, you know, um, but you, you think of just like you're hustling people. And after I couldn't take teaching anymore, you know, four years is like, this is exhausting. I don't know how people make a career out of this. I said no more. And my wife and I went and traveled South America and did some soul searching. Like, what am I good at? Like, what are my strengths? And came to the conclusion, I'm like, people, relationships, communication, like these are my strengths. Now, where, do, what does that feed into on what I want to do uh, next? And, and I, I came to the conclusion again, I was like, I think sales and then, and, and, and especially in tech would be ideal. And at that point, I was still forecasting, like, I want to be remote as well. At some point, I want to find a company that hires remote. This is 2015. And so I, I got this really this, like this tech sales job at a small VoIP company, didn't pay very much at all and just started, man. How did you, how did you secure that first gig? What kind of things did you do to get that conversation started? I... I think this was a post on Craigslist of all places. Like oh. you come back from South America, just like, what am I going to do? I've given up my past career and they were hiring for a sales rep and I reached out, they interviewed me, got the job. The sacrifice was like pay, right? I mean, it was really low yeah. and, but I just did it and it, it worked out and it progressed from there. I ultimately secured a remote role with a tech company uh, beyond that called recruiter box. And um, then we got to move out to the mountains. That's so awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. a theme that I've found with talking to a lot of reps who've been doing this and, and sales professionals who've been doing this for a long time is, is sometimes the first gig came about in a random way, like a Craigslist post. Yep. Like, you know, in my case, I was just blasting applications out and I was willing to just do anything to get in and just yep. get the door. And then usually those jobs are, you know, for lack of a better word, uh, for lack of a better word, sweatshops where, yes you know, 150 cold calls a day and you're just working off of a spreadsheet or whatever it is. Or I think in some cases people were crossing names off of an actual pen and paper list. So Classic. yeah, that's cool to hear that. That's how you broke in. And I think Craigslist might be one of those overlooked places for anyone out there. Who's, who's looking for their next thing. Right. doesn't hurt to spend a little time just seeing if anybody happens to be posting on Craigslist, uh, you know, some kind of interesting opportunity, especially because, it sounds like you got in relatively early and that's mm. shaped your career in early stage companies versus like going and working for a big fancy tech company out of the gates. And I'm imagining you've learned a lot working as, you know, an early member of the team at a lot of these companies you've been with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Learned a ton. And I would say anybody like struggling with that, right. Taking a deep look at yourself and you're like, I am a great communicator. People are my strength. Like sales is a very good career to get into. And if you hadn't thought about that before, you should. 
And there's a lot of really interesting companies you can go and work for that is not just the sales hustle that is stigmatized, uh, but can be a really awesome, enjoyable career because you enjoy people, you get energy from that and you're good at that. Yeah. Let me ask you this. This is a hot topic that I think is on a mm -hmm. lot of people's minds right now. It's it's definitely on my mind also. You're you're out in uh, Salida, Colorado, remote mm -hmm. work. And there's a lot of chatter in 2023, late 2023 at this point about getting back into the office and mm -hmm. companies moving operations uh, internally. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that trend will stay or are you still seeing a lot of companies that are remote first that are willing to hire people in, you know, remote towns in, in Colorado or in my case, Arizona. Um, what's your take on that? And, and where do you think the industry is heading? I think it's still to this day, you can make the assumption that everybody is open to remote, right? When you apply for a job, there's like no thought in the back of your mind where you're looking at location anymore. You're like, they're probably open to remote. And so I think that sort of speaks for itself. So, I think the majority will be people being open to that. They might not prioritize that always, but I think they'll always be open to it for the right talent. Um, I think that, you know, especially smaller companies, startups, um, you know, SMBs, I think it makes a lot of sense to be remote. It's still sustainable to create process, keep tight communication with those remote employees. And then you can also give them that life flexibility to really attract that high quality talent. Yeah. So I think there's going to be, you know, I think 60% of companies will stick, like will always be open to remote. Maybe we'll have some offices here and there and you're welcome to go in the office. And I think there will be like a 40% that were like, you know what? The way that our business works is we need people here and we need to collaborate in person. And I understand that too. Yeah. I think you nailed it. I think it, my, my take on it is the big tech, like if you want to go work for a Fang, mm -hmm. count on being in a city where that Fang has massive operations, right? Yes. Working for a Fang company. Um, and if you're not familiar with the Fang acronym, it's just the top five, you know, it's, it's Facebook, Apple, Amazon, yep. and Google. I don't know if those are still the top five, but that's the, the acronym that they throw around to denote like the top tech companies, right? But I think to your point, smaller teams are going to use remote as a competitive advantage for a couple Agreed. of things. Like clothes can hire you and all of your talent, despite the fact that you might not be in the same geolocation as somebody else, but they're able to snag you because it doesn't matter. You don't need to come into the office. And I think the small teams are going to find that they can keep their operations costs really low while also hiring anyone they want to from a bunch of different skill sets and walks of life. And I think that's going to be a competitive advantage that could, you know, disrupt the industry in a few years again. Right. So I agree. yeah, I think for listeners out there, if your goal is like big tech, you want to go be the top dog at, at Oracle or Salesforce or something like that. I would imagine you probably need to be living in San Francisco, New York city, Austin, yep. something like that. But for anyone who wants to be part of startups and smaller, more indie companies, and we're going to get more into that here in just a second, I think there's still a huge opportunity to live where you want to, whether that's in the mountains of Colorado or another country or something like that. I, I do still see a lot of opportunity there. So uh, yeah, I appreciate your thoughts on that. And I think it's, it's again, something that's really top of mind for a lot of listeners. It, and it's a huge opportunity for a careers page too, to really highlight that remote first philosophy and what comes with that. And these companies on the small scale level will really prioritize autonomy, trust, like your impact and the work that you do is what we're looking at, not the amount of hours that you're working and the FaceTime that you're putting in, right? It's easy to track 
um, impact, if you will, at the, at the broadest term possible. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what the work you do at close. And I was looking at your, your background. It looks like you started there on the sales team as an accounting mm -hmm. and you now oversee all the channel and partnership efforts for the business. Tell us a little bit about how you got started there, the transition, and then of course your current role there. Absolutely. So I got started at close in 2019. I, really didn't even know what close was until this guy named Steli Efti started like hitting my threads all the time um, and on YouTube. And I started seeing this guy everywhere. And I'm the type of non-adopter where I'm not really just going to kick, like click on a piece of content because I'm like, oh, I'm going to like learn something from this. I, you know, I, I saw it enough where I'm like, this guy must have something to say, watch one of his videos. And I was like, wow, this is actually really, really good. This is really usable, tangible, timeless advice for sales. And so I watched, started watching more of his content and Steli is our CEO, if you don't know. And that's you know kind of how we really started our organic traffic engine was with his content. And I got to the point where I went to the website, I was like, went to the careers page. I started looking at this time, the tech company that I had was working at before got acquired, the culture was shifting. So I was looking and they just had their, the only role open was an account executive at that time and applied and um, luckily got the role, man. And I was the only salesperson on the team at that time. They had two sales interns before that they had left. I was the only person handling a very large top of funnel. Um, so that was, that was a lot. I was having a lot of conversations with a lot of people, a lot of founders, a lot of smaller businesses. And we were selling a sales CRM to salespeople, which required me to quickly become an expert on how to do sales. And they were looking for that type of advice in sales conversations. And naturally, I just started to really pick that up, forming my own opinions, taking opinions from Steli, and um, starting to evangelize not just our product, but here's an effective approach to do sales. Awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. So you did that role for a while and mm -hmm. then just saw a pathway into the partnership side of the business. Yeah. When you have a very focused type of tool or, I mean, we're a CRM, right? But we're focused on salespeople. You tend to attract these types of agencies that service clients with your tool because it's so focused. I naturally started having these, noticed, noticed that I started having conversations with the same type of people or the same exact person over and over again, but they're like, Hey, I'm starting a new client account, new client account, new client account. I wasn't even thinking about partnerships this early. Right. I was just like, Oh, this is interesting. Like this is a easy way to, you know, bring in another high quality customer. And I'm just working with this person as the point of contact started having more of these conversations naturally and organically to the point I'm like, we should probably have a partnerships team because I was spending 50% of my time communicating with this one segment of human beings, supporting clients on our behalf. I'm like, this is a no brainer. So we, uh, I proposed to the team, they say, you know, let's go 20% of your time on partnerships. Let's like put this together. 80% you're still on sales. We still need to hire people to kind of fill in what you do. And then we'll talk about going full time. Yeah. And I, um, I actually left close for a short period of time to go start my own uh, land development business really quickly learned that I really did not enjoy being a business owner or like putting something together. Like I just decided that was not my journey and um, was able to take like some time, like sabbatical like time and, 
really think and close, they reached out to me, they got wind of this and they were like, we want you to come back full-time on partnerships. And it was like, it was like getting a call from home. You know, they're like, we, we would love to like, let's just continue. That's so awesome. Yeah. Let, let's dive into the product. I, I'm, I think, yep. I, mean, I, think, I know I had heard about close before you and I first mm-hmm. did and the way that it really came across my desk is a very close colleague of mine said, have you seen this product? I've never, I've never used anything like this. And he was, you know, talking about how his team had recently transitioned uh, to close from another tool and just how it had improved his process and his ability to prospect. And he just felt like he had a lot more time back, frankly. Um, but maybe give us, uh, you know, your, your pitch on the product itself and why should people consider looking into it as opposed to, you know, all the other mini CRMs that are out there. So close was, is built for salespeople by salespeople close started as a sales agency doing sales for other startups. And, uh, our founders realized that there was not a, a good tool built for salespeople only. And we didn't even claim ourselves to be a CRM in the beginning. It was like a sales engagement tool, something like that. And then we, they ultimately realized like, we got to call ourselves a CRM. Like this is kind of what it is. So we, a couple of things we fundamentally understood is there's no good native calling platforms, like no CRMs for sales that have native calling that make that easy. So that was the first thing and emailing, right? You're going back to your inbox or jumping around to different windows. And this is like 2013, 2014, where no one has any of this collated into one platform. Um, so be able, the ability to two-way sync your email and then send text messages from that platform if that's if that serves your, your sales process. And so we we put that together, put it in, uh, put it in a, uh, one native package. And we, throughout the years, a decade later, have really kept our focus on, let's make the sales jobs person easy, right? Like their job is not to go in and figure out how to use tech. The tech should be so easy to use that it just allows them to do their job really, really well, which is, again, people, relationships, communication. That should be easy for them. So we stayed in that lane, have all the communication tools in one platform, and we're just continuing to clean up our UI, making it way easier. Um, making sure we're improving all those communication tools, adding additional tools to to the mix, um, building integrations that are valuable to our, our our customers, and then overall, but still staying focused in that lane. We're built for salespeople to do their jobs really, really well. And really, what I call it's like it's just a no bullshit CRM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome. So, what? Um... Is there like a sweet spot in terms of of company size? It sounds like it's you know tends to be smaller firms, startups, small mm. businesses that that benefit from it. Um, are there any large teams that that are using Close that are finding success with it? We we do we do have some large teams. We we typically don't catch them top of funnel. We that's why we've been great startups and SMBs. They come in, they're small, they grow with us. Are the their sales teams, their sales managers over there are so damn stubborn about using clothes that even when they grow to a point where Salesforce like comes into the conversation naturally, right? Um, they're like, no, like we are not giving up this tool. Our sales team loves it. If we move here, we're going to lose productivity from our sales reps and they're, they're going to be pissed about it. And so absolutely, we have some mid-market flirting with, you know, enterprise companies that have grown with us from a very, very small scale. One of our biggest customers started with like under 10 people and now they're our biggest customer. They're huge. Um, 
and they support a sales team of about 250 people using clothes and they love the product. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. It seems like that is the the growth model for CRMs, mm. right? If you grow mm. with the business, you get really sticky in there, users love it and just becomes a core part of how that business operates is, mm. is like a core platform for our company. We're not going to obviously replace it if so many people have used it and it's been a significant part of our growth curve. So it seems like a great model. Um, I'm really curious about, you know, nerding out here a little bit on like mm-hmm. the integrations. Uh, Cause I know a big part of being a great CRM product is how do you play nicely with other systems so that if I'm a startup and I'm already using, you know, some different tooling, how do I plug those into close to create a, you know, again, standardized process and have all the data live in one place and be a single source of truth for my company. Talk to us a little bit about the integration strategy for close and how that works for a customer. If you do any prospecting with LinkedIn, you have got to go get set up with surf. That's S U R F E. It's a tool you can use to add new contacts to your CRM system directly from LinkedIn in seconds. I'm using it every single day. I add contacts, follow my deals, keep track of notes, and it ends up saving me a bunch of time on prospecting and outreach, which means I can spend more time moving my deals along. The data is always 100% accurate since I don't have to copy and paste all the fields over from each and every contact that I want to put in my CRM. Instead, Surf does that all automatically with just one click in about 60 seconds. The team over at Surf has put together a very special offer for fans of sales players there's a link down in the show notes and you can use the promo code JWSurf5. Don't forget the E at the end of surf. That's JWSurf5 for 5% off your first year. Don't spend another minute doing things manually. Go get set up with surf. There's some no-brainer integrations that you have to put together with those bigger platforms, which, which we've done. Now, we since our top of funnel is mainly startups and SMBs, a lot of those types of companies are very open to strong recommendations and high-quality integrations that you've built or other teams have built. And so we have the luxury of pitching those. And I call that sort of the indie stack, right, where you're taking these tools that are smaller, smaller teams, really high-quality products. Just because it's a big logo that has put together the product for a specific type of function doesn't mean that it's going to be high quality and perform how it should. It's you're just buying the brand trust. When there are all these other smaller startups who have awesome engineers, um, have really probably came come from one of these big companies to build this product because they saw the gap and how poorly the product was built at their past company. So they're like, let's fill that gap and let's pr- provide a much higher quality solution. And so you get with like an indie type of tool, you get a higher quality piece of tech, you get a smaller team that still really cares about high quality customer support, customer onboarding. So you get more handholding, especially, and that's important for startups and SMBs where, you know, they don't have all the time in the world. They don't have project managers specifically dedicated to implementing tech, right? It's got to be Someone's got to come in and do a lot of that heavy lifting for them and make them feel comfortable. And then when you have a really tight integration with something like a close and you start to pull in, you know, four or five of those indie tools and they all serve a purpose uh, together, it creates for a very powerful customer experience. And then it also opens up these really interesting partnership uh, plays with content, um, education to 
uh, our customer base, their customer base, you know, thought leadership there. And it's, it's a bit more fun and exciting to work with those companies because they're hungry um, and they're willing to go above and beyond to serve your customers really well. And they're, like I said, going to provide better tech. I think it's really interesting. Uh, having been at a few startups myself, one of the things that I know can move the needle in an early SaaS company is leveraging the vendors that you work with. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. sounds, and I, I tell this to people and I always get raised eyebrows because people are like, well, how would I use my vendors in a startup? Mm -hmm. Well, look, it's a partnership, right? If, yep. if I'm signing up with Close for a CRM, I'm an early startup founder. I'm, And then I, you know, pair on three, four, five other partner tools that integrate well. And now I've got all of those people in my sort of sphere of influence. Surely there's referrals to come from that. Yeah. There's uh, ad advice and guidance that's, that's going to be inherent, you know, not only in the technology, but in working with the, all those different teams, yep. pick up a bunch of, you know, wisdom bites, right. That are going to mm -hmm. guide the strategy, the operation of my business. And that's why I would say, you know, for a startup out there, you probably don't want to go and just get married to one big, you know, fat tool, right? <laughs> That's, you know, maybe really expensive and you're working with one point of contact at the big guy. Uh, it's your account manager. It's a person that's incentivized to sell you more usage mm -hmm. of that product and not necessarily guide you as a founder or an operator in a business. They're there to make sure you renew at the end of the year uh, or add, you know, seat licenses to it. And they probably aren't, you know, they probably aren't going to put you into that kind of ecosystem. I think the whole concept of any stack is, is very, very interesting. And something that in some of the startups that I've worked on early stage, I wish we would have thought through, Hey, if we just were, I'm, I'm purposely not naming names here, but you know who I'm talking about. There's one big CRM player out there that a lot of the startups tend to gravitate to, but to that company, these startups are just a number. It's just, you know, yeah. or, you know, batch of seats, and they're not creating an ecosystem for you and your business to really thrive. They're not opening and expanding your network to more resources, more ideas, more tools that can then integrate. They're, they're just making it harder to actually grow. So uh, I'm being careful here. Uh, you could say, sure. okay. um, but that's, that's why I think this whole indie stack is just so interesting. I really think that it opens up uh, a, a new resource that hasn't been available to a lot of startup founders up to this point where you're now building something custom, but you're doing it in a way that is also, you know, creating more resource for your business. Yeah, exactly. And going back to like those larger CRMs, a lot of the times you, you know, you're, you're buying for the startup price, right? You're like, Oh, that's a really nice discount. Like we can really get in the door at this and, you know, uh, keep our budget low on, on a CRM. Now there's caveats, right? Where you might have to, hire an implementation expert and pay them to set this up. You're, you're like a month in, you're like, this is over my head. You know, I wasn't onboarded properly. I have no idea what I'm doing and I don't have time for it. And so you're like, I'm going to have to hire an expert. It's expensive. Agencies are expensive. Um, we've been very focused on, it should be easy. Anybody should be able to set it up. You should just be able to start and not fumble forever. Right. And then you pull those other smaller tools that complement and fill in knowledge gaps or product gaps where we can't fill. And then they come in, they help you, right? They're the experts. They're the ones who help you execute versus having to hire somebody just simply by paying the subscription fee, um, which it, it really works out really well for a lot of our, our customers. And then on the partnership side, you know, founders will ask me, you know, as they start to grow, you know, what, what, what would be your initial 
approach with partnerships. I would say integrate with other smaller tools, similar size that complement your tool and strategize how you can win customers together. Um, there's a lot of different creative, creative ways that you can do that. And you're building this relationship with this person who is thinking about you. And then you maybe pull in a few others that really complement. Now you have a number of conversations going about the stack itself and like what you're headed towards. And now, you know, you have this exponential network of people talking about this, your tool, their tools, the integrations, you have multiple customer bases that you can target. It's, it's, it becomes more fun. Honestly, it becomes fun because you're empowering each other to be successful. You're building a relationship and probably a friendship through the process. And we'll probably have that friendship or relationship with that person long-term. Yeah. Question on behalf of the close, the current close users out there. Mm -hmm. What is like uh what's like a power user insider tip that you might have off the top of your head that you know, maybe a lot of people who are using the tool right now aren't aware of. And that's a, that's, I'm throwing a softball at you here, but, um, our user tip. <laughs> yeah. If that, that, that question could be answered in so many ways, whether we're talking about, um, what type of sales process they're doing, right? It's, it, it, it it's hard to say. Um, I would say if you are using clothes and you have not mastered using smart views, they're not hard to master. They're dynamic lists that update in real time to keep, you know, who you want to be targeting very, very focused by specific criteria. Um, you should be mastering smart views because that will give you a very, very clear look at the leads that you should be paying attention to on a regular basis or opportunities that haven't had love. There's so many different ways to use smart views to really leverage your ability to stay focused and your ability to just follow up, follow up, follow up in a graceful way. All right, folks, you heard it here first. Go and dig into SmartViews. If you're a closed user, go check out SmartViews if you haven't already. It sounds like there's uh, absolutely some you know, efficiency gains to be had by, by digging into that feature a little bit more. Now, I want to give one more sales tip that's not just exclusive to close, which a lot of folks don't do is video messaging in their their sales outreach or their sales follow-up. So Loom is the big player in the game, right? Um, but we we also have an integration with a company called SendSpark and they're a sales-focused video messaging tool. And you can do this at scale. I get cold emails every single day. And I'm like, how do these folks not know that I work for a sales CRM? And if they really want to level up, like it needs to be interesting or, or unique, right? I'm... I, I'm simply going to archive a long sales email. I'm going to skim it, make sure there's no real legitimate call to action. And I'm going to swipe it because I just simply don't have the bandwidth. Now, if you send me an email and I see that you sent me a video and I see my LinkedIn profile and the background of that video, I'm like, that person took some time to actually put this together. I'm going to at least give them the respect of their effort to watch this and see what they say. Um, and I will tell you this in the past month, I've had, had a single video message in a cold sales outreach, wow. not a single one. Wow. Um, and it, it's happened a few times, but it almost never happens. And it's so under leveraged and underutilized. So you use video messaging. It's a powerful tactic for outbound, but also following up, right. Where, um, 
answering technical questions, maybe guiding them through the trial to set things up, whatever it might be. It's, it's a tool that's not leveraged enough. That's okay. That is any, any other tips on sending a great video message, um, to make it interesting, to make it, uh, jump out. I guess it doesn't really need to jump out because if it's the only video message you get in a month, it's going to inherently jump out. I think sales reps tend to try too hard and overcomplicate what they're going to say. Yeah. I think you, as a salesperson, just dig deep and just be who you are and speak your natural language, just like you would to your friend, but in a business context, right? Like just genuinely be who you are. And I think a lot of salespeople forget that. Um, just get on, turn on the camera, say what you need to say. Don't feel like you need to be ultra formal. Just communicate what you need to, to say. That's great advice. Hey general, but especially in, in regards to prospecting and video prospecting. Mm -hmm. What are some things that we can look out for on Close's roadmap that, that we can look forward to? We, have a we are in the beginning phases. I mean, everybody's pushing AI, right? Like it's a hundred miles an hour, but some of these tools and features get pushed so fast. I, I think there's value that's being lost in pushing, shipping it too quickly. Um, our team is specking how we will approach AI and putting it on the roadmap. And based on some of the early specs that I got that I can't disclose yet, I think a lot of folks that either close users or will become close users should be really excited about some of the AI features that we will implement within the platform. That's They're awesome. going to be very thoughtful um, and really high value. That's cool to hear. Yeah, I think the the world is changing really quickly on the AI front, and I'm not surprised that that's cooking right now for for your team. Yep, we we want to empower salespeople with AI. Not we don't want them to fear it. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Well, James, thanks so much for coming on. How can my listeners get in touch with you or learn more about clothes or you know find your content out there? Yeah, for sure. Definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. You can find me, James Yuri, U-R-I-E. Um, I'll push value first content on there from time to time. We've got a couple of other content projects that we're working on that I'll be pitching. If there's any questions on like, hey, I want to get started in close, close specific questions, partnership questions, james at close.com. Feel free to ping me. Uh, may take me a couple of days to get back to you, but I promise you I will. Awesome. Well, yep. thank you for coming on, sharing your story all kinds of great insights around the indie stack. And of course that hidden tip, which is get those video prospecting notes out there. Yep. Absolutely. You should do it. All right. Thank you.